that you will get a seat at the table when you come with understanding customers and have insight about how they're using your product, why they selected your product, um, you know, and, and really get smart and then how to find other customers that are like that. Right. And mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. and then how do you then apply that to, um, sales and marketing campaigns? How do you then apply that kind of on the retention side of the house? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Value Driven Marketing Podcast. I am Elena, your host. And in today's episode, I'm talking to Stacey Denheiser, an experienced marketing leader and strategist. We're talking about how B2B marketers can increase their credibility, how they can transition from being seen as order takers or just tactic owners to actually delivering um, more business impact. I'm very excited about this episode. Stacy has shared quite a few interesting learnings um, and insights and stories. So hopefully um, you'll extract um, a, few, a few valuable ideas out of this episode. If you want to know more about my guest, Stacey Denheiser is the founder and CMO of Shake Marketing, a B2B marketing consultancy for companies that are ready to scale. She is a former five times Fortune 500 marketing leader and strategist with over 20 years of experience, and she specializes in building plans that align marketing and sales to go after large enterprise deals. Uh, Stacy also runs an exclusive community for B2B marketers called Soar Marketing Society. And she's also a published author, so go check out her books, Standout Marketing and Valueology. If you want to connect with Stacy, you can find her over on LinkedIn or on her website, Shake Marketing, uh, which I'll connect to in this episode description. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned something new and I'll catch you on the next one. So exciting to, to speak to you today about our theme of how to sell the value of marketing internally and how marketers um, can win, sit at the table, increase their credibility. So a lot of, for me, it's a juicy topic, I must admit. Before we go into that, however, there's this question that I like to ask every um, guest, um, and that is, you know, I'm going to take you back your childhood if you still remember what was your dream job when you were little yes okay so i had a couple um but i think i always wanted to be an entrepreneur because oh. i remember starting a babysitting club when i was 12 and oh. and then i wrote a cookbook with my friend and we um cold called all of our in the neighborhood <laughs> that we lived in we had a directory and it published the ages of the kids for each household. So we called every single household that had kids that were under five and we tried to sell them our cookbook. And then, you know, fast forward as I went through school, tried to make things and sell them out of my locker. And so I was always very interested in starting a business. Um, but then as I got into high school, the other thing that I, I got really excited and passionate about was um, journalism. So I joined the newspaper team and the yearbook team and really loved kind of that fast paced environment of um, writing and having deadlines and, and just being able to be creative. So kind of those two worlds finally collided with what I'm doing today. So 
Yeah, yeah, sounds very exciting. And it sounds like you always had the drive to build things. Um, so how did you get to to create uh, Shake Marketing? Yeah, so I I actually um, went to, to college and got a degree in marketing. And mm -hmm. so my first um, my first job out of, of college was working at a Fortune 500 uh, company that you've probably heard of, AT&T. And uh, I did consumer marketing for them. And so mm -hmm. I kind of just got straight into the marketing world. Um, and I worked, I, I bounced around a little bit in the cable and telecom industry for about 14 years. I spent half of that time in consumer marketing and then I switched over to B2B marketing. And finally, after, after my, um, I put in the tenure, as I like to say in corporate, and I decided, okay, now it's time for me to start my own consultancy. And so I, I left the corporate world and um, really wanted to start something that is something I always wish that I had as a, mm -hmm. a marketing professional. Um, I worked with a lot of agencies always in my, in my career, but I didn't really have a you know, strategic consultant or somebody that I could rely on or somebody that was forward looking and helping me kind of think through um, the strategy side, not just the tactical side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And can you detail a bit of exactly how you help and who yeah. you help? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, um, so Shake Marketing Group works with B2B organizations um, really in a few different areas. So the first is around cohesive marketing strategy, just helping to connect all the dots from all of the, the tactics and all of the goals that an organization has and how does that all come together in a marketing plan. Um, the second is around value propositions. So I actually do a lot of customer research on behalf of my mm -hmm. clients and help them refine their value proposition and messaging. And then the third is on uh, coaching and training. So helping B2B marketers level up in their own career. How mm -hmm. do they get you know, credibility internally and how do they get a seat at the table? So I do um, training and one-on-one -on -one coaching for marketers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is something I do want to know more about, about getting a seat at the table. If you're looking um, into conversations on communities over on LinkedIn, a lot of marketers are talking about CEOs that don't get marketing. Uh, life is too short to work for such a CEO. Do you feel that marketers um, are given all the credit that they deserve? Um, my personal take is that uh, marketers always have to uh, prove their worth um, and they're not given that seat of the table. So how do you see things? Yes. From yeah. your perspective. So I, I actually like to take a step back because I, I, I like, you know, again, putting my journalism hat on, there's always two sides to every story, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, the first one is that there's an interesting stat that I saw a while ago that said, and this is based on, I think, Fortune 100 CEOs, but only 13% of Fortune 100 CEOs have a background in marketing. Most of them grew up in either finance or engineering or management. So I think that's interesting perspective right away, because mm -hmm. when we say, well, CEOs don't get marketing, I mean, that is true. A lot of them were not former marketers. So the question becomes, well, how do you then work with somebody like that? Right. I mean, it's mm -hmm. maybe you get lucky and you work for one of those companies where 13, you know, one of the 13 percent that happens to grow up in marketing or sales. Um, but chances are you're probably not. Right. And so um, what I have found, I, I spent, like I said, the majority of my career in um, cable and telecom. And then I also worked in financial services. And so the people that I was working with 100 percent did not grow up in marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with a lot of engineers, um, a lot of tech professionals. 
who, you know, in finance, of course, who views things as formulas, right? We just, why can't we just put everything through this formula? So there's a lot of healthy debate, I think, between, um, you know, the art and the science. And so some of the obsession that I've seen with marketing attribution software and measuring every little tiny thing, it's really to appease the, the formulaic people that just really cannot appre- mm-hmm. they probably don't appre- you know, understand or appreciate art either in their lives. And so it's, it's really like we're, we're just speaking two different languages. So um, I think there's a healthy sort of balance there. And really, if you understand as a marketer that your job, I mean, I always viewed kind of the CEO or any of my internal stakeholders as yet another customer group to, to mm. master. And so, I, you know, coming at it from that angle and just a different perspective. Okay, what is the CEO trying to achieve? What do they really care about and value? And really, what language are they speaking, which is finance? And then how can I learn that? To, how can I learn to communicate in a way that's going to break through the clutter for them? Instead of speaking in marketing jargon and about things that they don't really care about, I have to be able, you know, as a good marketer, a great marketer, will connect the dots for their customers. And so this is really no different. How, how can marketers connect the dots when communicating with a, with a CEO or a CFO? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a very good point of essentially you're going to have to figure out who your audience is. Is, is it the CEO who understands marketing or not? And then what do you have to do to break uh, through to them, so to speak? Um, and I'm wondering, so, okay, do you feel that marketers um, are giving the credibility? There's a lot of talk of fighting over budgets, having to justify every marketing action that comes off to me as being uh, marketers are not, you know, uh, believed they, because yeah. they are, you know, someone waits them at every corner, uh, show me the results. So how do you feel about the situation? Oh yeah. I mean, I think I, I saw yet another stat yesterday that was from the Fournays group. I think it was 78% of CEOs don't trust their marketing organization. That's so awesome. I mean, that's really high, right? Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is they want to, I mean, I work mm-hmm. with CEOs and they really want to, they want to understand what marketing is doing. And I, I just come at it from a different point of view that instead of going and starting to try to justify and prove the value directly from a, a tactic, mm-hmm. reframe the whole conversation around um, the journey that customers have to take with the organization and what is that, what does that journey look like? And what did we learn from a marketing standpoint about the customer as they went through this journey to help us be a smarter, better organization? So it's not just about, um, and I think this is where the debate comes in, right? And this is why CEOs and CFOs are, are scrutinizing the marketing budgets because they just, they come at it from, I'm just, I'm already distrusting. Um, mm-hmm, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of agencies and a lot of MarTech vendors that have done a disservice to marketing, the marketing profession, because they have come in with a silver bullet approach, promising mm-hmm. if you just implement this one, you know, lead tracking software, all of a sudden you're going to hit your revenue goals. If you just implement marketing automation, you're going to hit your revenue goals, right? Now, here we are, 30, 40 pieces of tech later, and we're still not hitting our revenue goals, like what's going on? Of course, you're going to be distrusting for the next vendor that comes along and promises, you know, another silver bullet. So that's sort of what has happened. Um, And so I like to kind of look backwards of if that's where we were, how do we kind of get out of that? Right. Mm -hmm. How do we identify Mm -hmm. 
and, and really look strategically at our plan and figure out, do we have a lot of excess expenses that we're just not leveraging? Do we understand why we have all of this stuff? Do we actually understand what goals we're trying to achieve? Um, so yeah, I think in organizations, you know, I, I do a lot of assessments for companies, mm -hmm. for B2B organizations, I'm, I'm brought in to assess, you know, look at the marketing situation, um, evaluate where we, where we have gaps. Um, and so I found that, you know, the majority of people have gaps in strategic planning. They just don't do it. They just literally skip, you know, if there's seven steps to the process and step seven is execute, they just skip straight to step seven. Let's just execute and see what happens. And so, you know, I think that's that dynamic that we've now seen um, where, where marketers, if you, if you find yourself sort of in that situation, yeah, chances are you have very low credibility in the organization. You're viewed mm -hmm. as, you know, an order taker. And, and yes, while you might be a master at getting things done, the question is, are you working on the right things? The right things yep. that are moving that are moving the business forward, or is it just like one of those productivity metrics that makes you feel good because you got a lot of stuff done today? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And why do you feel uh, marketers tend to uh, just jump over the strategic side of things, the planning, doing the auditing, um, and they go straight into implementation? Why do you see that in practice? Because it's obviously detrimental to start working without having a clear plan. Why yeah. do we do this? Yes. So, so I'll, you know, I think, let me, I'll give you sort of a story of when I started my career and this was a long time ago, but, and I think these jobs are coming back, but my very first job out of school was acquisition marketing. Mm -hmm. So it was not a tactic. It was use every tactic available with the goal of acquiring new customers. And then I changed um, jobs when I, you know, a few years later, and then I, my, my job was retention marketing. Do whatever you need mm -hmm. to do to retain customers and to keep them from, from churning. And so those jobs, however, have now with the addition of, you know, the MarTech we were just talking about, now all of a sudden you have 30 tools to master. Those jobs now have become more oriented around tech and around a tactic. So mm -hmm. social media as a tactic, email as a tactic, the website as a tactic, you know, digital marketing, which... I'm not even sure why that's still a job title because all, you know most marketing already is digital. Yeah. And so those are very tactical. They're not oriented. Digital marketing is not a business goal. Mm -hmm. What is the business goal of digital marketing? It's either to acquire new customers, upsell existing customers, you know, expand into accounts, retain customers. So I think that's the reason that the, the planning piece has um, people are kind of skipping that is because they don't they no longer have accountability or responsibility for a business goal, they have responsibility for a tactic. And so it's very hard when you are only responsible for a tactic to see the bigger picture and to see how your tactic is just one of many that the customer might be interacting with. And if you, mm -hmm. if you don't have accountability or responsibility for those other tactics, um, chances are you're not you know, participating in strategic planning that incorporates all of those different tactics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what would you say are the steps um, that marketers should take instead uh, to get things right, essentially? Yeah. So um, there's a, a few things and, you know, I guess it depends sort of on the, the level of the individual, but I like to, you know, present feedback on in terms of like, it doesn't matter what your role is. You don't have to be the leader of the organization to 
to impact change. So there's really um, three shifts that I would suggest. Uh, the first is understanding what your role is in the organization. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that? Um, perception is reality. So what was interesting to me when I worked in consumer marketing is that marketing was viewed as a strategic member of the team. We were, I mean, marketing is sales in consumer organizations. So if we needed budget or if sales were down, you know, it, the, the C-suite would say, okay, yes, here's, you know, some extra, extra money, go run a campaign and go help us try to meet our, our number for the quarter. When I switched over to B2B, um, I realized, wow, I had a tiny fraction of the budget that I had in consumer marketing, first of all. And then second of all, I, my primary source of information about customers and about what we should be doing and, and strategy was the sales organization. Mm -hmm. So I had to start working with the sales team, um, really hand in hand to understand their business, their process, how they're, how they work and with customers. Um, and, and when I came into that organization at first, the sales team, the sales team's perception of marketing at the time was marketing equals events. Marketing helps us when we want to plan an event. So uh, Stacy, I will call you when I have a sponsorship or, you know, some golf tournament we want to do or <laughs> some trade show we want to participate in and you can help us plan the event. And so I, I'd like to start there because this is a question that you can ask your, your key stakeholders. Ask your, your salespeople, ask your product people, ask your, your C-suite, what do you think the role of marketing is? What is, and, mm -hmm. and get their perception because that's really your starting point to mm -hmm. understand how they view marketing and it's hard to change perception. So if you have somebody who says, yeah, well, you guys execute events, you know, know that it takes a year or two to start changing their perception in their minds that yes, marketing is actually a strategic function. Um, when one of the books that I co-wrote is standout marketing and we did some research and we actually asked this question, what do you think the role of marketing is? And I'll just kind of read the, um, the summary of that because we, we interviewed business leaders, business unit presidents, sales leaders, marketing leaders, um, around this question. And so th these were, this is what they said, you know, number one was brand marketing is responsible for the brand. Um, number two was sales enablement. Marketing is responsible for sales enablement. Um, three was demand gen. Four was alignment on what customers value. Mm -hmm. And then five was marketing strategy. So, you know, and I thought that was great. I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can, I can get around all of that, right? They did not go straight to tactics. This is what your C-suite wants marketing to own. Right. This is what this is what they want marketing to understand. So, um, so I think that's that's really good news, and and I think that's a good question just for people to start um, to start with is you know what is the role of marketing in this organization? And I would not go, you know, we can have a whole separate discussion about job descriptions um, <laughs> and how inaccurate some of those are. But I think these are just real real questions that you can ask people today. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's kind of number one. The second shift is around knowing your customer. So going back to what I just said was org alignment on what customers value. There's this huge assumption that marketers know what a value proposition is and know how to understand and, and um, understand what customers value and communicate that. And so 
um, you know, I'll throw another stat out there from Fournay's group because I like this one that only 17% of marketers know how to develop a value proposition, know what it is and how to develop one. Yet, this is the number one request from, from, the, C, from the CEO is I want my marketing team to be the voice of the customer internally. Mm-hmm. And yet, in, in, I'm doing some research right now with um, a scorecard I created. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, how often do you budget for customer research? I think 70, 70% of people said, we don't budget for customer research. And 20, 20% said, we do it once a year. And so the rest of them are basically are like, we, don't, we just don't do it. And so yeah. what does that tell you? It's, it means that, you know, marketers are not plugged in with their customer. It's the number one mm-hmm. job of a marketer is to be able to build the bridge from what the customer wants and values to what the company sells, right? Yeah. So if you don't understand both sides of that equation, then you, you can't be effective at your job. So this piece is around, you know, really fighting for, for budget, um, for customer research, if possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to, um, like, I like to use COVID actually as an example, because you had a lot of companies that overnight, like the whole entire uh, economy shifted, right? And what the world cared about shifted which means your customers, what they valued all of a sudden shifted. Mm -hmm. And there were very clear examples of some companies that understood that quickly and were able to update their website and update their emails, right? And get get things out quickly and and maybe even repackage some of their products. And then you had the laggards who probably had never done any customer research. And they were like, well, let's just wait and see. Well, let's wait and see. And finally, you know, months later, they were finally understanding that the world shifted what our customers cared about before COVID is different than what they care about now. And if we continue that same message before COVID, like all we're irrelevant. And a lot of Mm -hmm. companies actually did go out of business for being irrelevant during that time. So I think that's just a good example. Like if you do not have your pulse on, on customers, especially during, you know, economic shifts and, and, and uncertainty, um, chances are you're going to contribute to sort of that irrelevance. Um, so that's the second piece, know your customer. And then third is know your business. Now, the number one complaint from the C-suite is that Mark, I don't think marketing actually understands the business. I don't Mm -hmm. think they understand ROI. I don't think they understand how we are uh, measuring the business and, and having worked in large organizations, I would say that that is true. And I remember I had to myself go find somebody in finance. Mm-hmm. who could sit down and explain to me, like, you know, I took a couple finance classes in, in school, but it was not my language, right? <laughs> Speaking the, the art versus the formulas, I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to memorize this and get the test done so I can get out of this class. But then, you know, fast forward and, and I'm now working in business and I realized that this is really a, a skill that I, I need to learn. And so mm-hmm. I, and this is what I would encourage people to do is um, find a friendly in your finance organization that can sit down and explain to you what your business cares about and what they're measuring. So, you know, we all say Re- it's revenue, but there's actually different markers besides revenue. So like in, in the company I worked at, for example, um, one of them, we measured monthly recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so we, at first we actually measured sales. Sales was, was the first marker. Did we sell something? 
And then the second marker was monthly recurring revenue. And at first I was like, I don't understand the difference between sales and revenue, but it was, yes, we've sold something, but it's not implemented yet. So therefore we have not received the money. Mm -hmm. And so those were the two different, you know, things that we were looking at sales. And then did we actually get the money once, once it's implemented and how long is that taking? And then of course there's profitability. So not all revenue is created equal. You might have a ton of revenue coming in, but then you also have expenses going out. And oftentimes those are, um, there are certain customer segments as I discovered kind of, cause I got really into strategy and, and interested in, in this whole dynamic that, wow, we're actually losing money taking on some of these customers because they're so expensive to serve. Mm -hmm. They're calling us every day. They need a dedicated support person. I mean, we have to literally hire somebody to manage this customer. We're losing money on them. And so when you start to understand kind of all the different financial uh, markers, then you can become a smarter, a smarter marketer and suggest things that may be broken in the cycle. It's not just about, Hey, we need to get leads in the pipeline, but like, understanding that whole customer journey. How do we create mm -hmm. awareness in the market? How do we then turn that into demand? How do we then convert that into a sale? How do we then convert that into a happy customer? Because, you know, value is only a promise at the beginning, right? We're just out there communicating, Hey, we're going to help you increase your revenue or we're going to help you um, be smarter. But until your customer actually implements your product or service, they don't get any value. And so yeah. your job is to make sure that, it actually gets implemented. And then how do you turn that into uh, customer loyalty and, you know, be able to sell them more things, especially if you offer more than one product and then eventually referrals. So you have sort of this whole cycle to understand. Mm -hmm, and there's, mm -hmm. and I love, you know, I love like nerding out on some of this stuff <laughs> because there are opportunities. Each one of those parts of the journey requires its own sort of marketing focus and marketing plan. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the value I think that marketing can bring when they understand the business and the customer life cycle. Mm -hmm. so I know that there's, <laughs> it was a lot, but it was very insightful. And I was going to say, uh, because there are so many things you can do. Um, I think there's a lot of value in prioritizing. So figuring out we're going to get the most, um, growth or the best results from upselling. So we're going to focus on that. It's, too much try to get new clients um okay so we're going to uh, attribute this much of our effort and budget to acquiring new clients but upselling is actually um a more effective way of growing so we're going to do that and at the end of the day as you said um if a client it's too expensive to acquire it doesn't matter you've made the sale uh you also want to have to retain the profit so um i think there's a lot of uh, wisdom in what you said um and i was wondering um when you work with the organizations maybe if you because you spoke of percentages, um, is there a percentage um, of marketers who actually take these steps by themselves? Or um, I don't know, do you have like a stat or what did you notice in practice? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's really hard to do that by yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot of um, the success, the successful marketers have uh, bring people in bring people in to help because, you know, and this is something I realized too. And, and, um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a consultant, it's just, I, I worked in corporate for a long time 
And then I switched to consulting. And there is a real dynamic here, which is when you are an internal employee, you may have the answers and you might say, I know exactly what we need to do. It's so obvious. But there is a bias and a real um, hesitancy that people think, okay, well, what are they trying to get out of it? You know, we are they trying to, is this a, for personal gain? And so there's all these questions that people don't necessarily have 100% trust. You bring in a consultant who literally says the same thing, and all of a sudden it's like, yes, that's what we need to do. And you're like, I've been saying that the whole time. So my advice in that situation, because um, I think a lot of you know marketers do have great ideas and I think that they want change. I would say lead the change. Go mm -hmm. find the consultant mm -hmm. and bring the consultant in yourself. Don't wait. Don't wait for your CEO to go find somebody on their own. You lead the charge. And that's what really great, the, the great marketers do. So, you know, if you're a, a head of marketing, a VP of marketing, a CMO, those, those roles do not hesitate to bring people in to help them because they know ultimately I'm going to look good because mm -hmm. I brought this person in and, and we're going to collectively build this thing together. So that, and, you know, and that's, that's what I would say helps set you up for success. You don't have to have all the answers, um, but, but be willing to, to bring people in to help you. And to, you know, it, it, it does take a lot of work to kind of break down those barriers. And I think that that is a benefit just that I've seen, you know, I interview a lot of, um, a lot of stakeholders. So, you know, part of, part of my role is that when I do a marketing assessment is I talk to all the stakeholders. So I interview the marketing mm -hmm. team, but then I also interview the various levels of the C-suite, um, the sales leadership, the product leadership, even HR, I mean, just different people to get different perspectives and, and I, it, that is a value when I do the readout, it's always a value to me because like, oh, somebody, a neutral view. We have a neutral view of like what everybody thinks. This is, you know, documented and it's great. And it just helps people move forward because now they all have, you know, awareness about this versus talking about it behind closed doors and never really addressing the issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also something that comes with experience, knowing uh, when to ask for help and knowing that it's totally okay to do that. It doesn't discredit you. It doesn't put you in a bad light. Yeah. Uh, and for yeah. me, as I grow older, I do realize like, I don't need to have all the answers. It's not realistic. It's better to figure out what I don't know and find someone who can help me. Yeah. There. Well, and, and the thing is that the, one of the things that I love that, um, that I don't think a lot of people talk about and in just, I'm very passionate about because of my experience in corporate for so long is the ability to get buy-in, the actual mm -hmm. ability to collaborate and get buy-in. That's the hardest part of marketing. It's not coming up with the ideas. It's not putting together the execution plan. It's getting everybody else on board. And I read some, another stat that was like, you know, over 70% of, of change initiatives fail. That's from McKinsey because of lack of buy-in because the organization is not all on the same page. And so mm -hmm. that's really the value um, that that I bring when I work with, with clients is, you know, take everybody's ideas, but now we have a plan. Can everybody get bought into the plan? And like, that is a huge relief once everybody's, they, all they really want is like, just give us the plan that we want to go do. And, and the fact that there's approval, you know, mm -hmm. on the plan is a huge weight lifted because you're not, constantly um, arguing or doing, you know, random acts of marketing or feeling like you have to say yes to everybody's marketing ideas, um, you know, or, or feeling like an order taker with the sales team. And, 
And that's the piece that I just, you know, I want to see marketers get out of that and elevate the, the profession um, sort of out of that. Cause I don't think, I don't think anybody gets enjoyment from that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, um, Stacey, maybe you can do something like um, portrait of what a good marketer looks like a marketer that has credibility, their ideas are um, valued um, and just, you know, CCID wants them at the table because they know uh, that that person is going to have something important to say. So what are the characteristics, so to speak, um, of such a marketer in yeah. your experience? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I have kind of like a framework, but there's a, a few. It's, and it, it actually kind of goes back to the question of like, what does your organization care most about? And so mm -hmm. I love... Um, going back to the concept of customer value, because I, I think if that sort of sums it all up for me, it's that you will get a seat at the table when you come with understanding customers and have insight about how they're using your product, why they selected your product, um, you know, and, and really get smart and then how to find other customers that are like that. Right. And mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. and then how do you then apply that to, um, sales and marketing campaigns? How do you then apply that kind of on the retention side of the house with customer success? So, you know, there's like a, a few steps, I think, obviously that like tactical steps to get there. Um, but it's, it is really about helping. It's, it's kind of, I would guess, sum it up three, three, the three A's. Um, one is around alignment. So it's aligned to what your C-suite wants what your sales team needs and how they actually do their jobs. So understanding the sales process and then alignment to customers and what they care about and what they value. Um, the second would be accountability. So, mm -hmm. you know, accountability as a marketer means you own your plan, you're focused on your plan, you understand your budget and you're driving it. And you're, you're really raising your hand to say, I'm going to be responsible for helping to say what I was going to do, right? Drive, drive new business, um, drive new interactions, that kind of thing. And then the, and then the third piece, which is what the C-suite wants is, is acceleration, right? Accelerate the marketing productivity, accelerate the goals of the organization and, and help us, um, just be more, um, productive and, and meet those goals. So that's really, you know, what does good look like? It's really being able to do all three of those things. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And where would you say marketers uh, shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak? Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> well, Easy I question. think yeah, no, I think there's a a, a couple things. One, um, being siloed. So mm -hmm. you know, a lot of marketers, like we were talking about, have responsibility. They have a really long list of things to do, and they have responsibility for for getting things out the door which means their days are really busy. And so they don't prioritize um, building relationships with their stakeholders and getting out of their silo. So, you know, and that was something, like I said, especially in B2B, um, that, that was surprising to me is how much time I had to go spend with the sales team. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to travel with the sales team. I have to go to these events with the sales team. I have to go to customer engagements with the sales team. And it was like, but I, at the end, I ended up, loving that was like my favorite part of the job but at first i was like i'm so busy i have so much to do i don't have time to go do all this with the sales team but it made my life and that that was you know probably um 
one of the most enjoyable aspects of my job was, was being able to pick up the phone and ask something to the sales team. And just, we had a great working relationship and, and I'm talking about, you know, a few dozen people, um, that I had, that I worked with on the sales organization. So I think that's kind of one is just siloing, siloing themselves. If you find yourself, you know, when I tell people like, how often are you meeting with the sales team one-on-one, like even a 30 minute meeting once a week, just to, um, just to understand their world. You know, have you ever gone to sales process training or read a sales process book to understand how the sales process works? Um, and then same thing with the product team. So, right, there's always this healthy tension, I think, between marketing and product and marketing and sales. And so, but the best, you know, advice I have is just get out of your silo and start building, breaking down those, those silos and building relationships. Ask, ask them for their opinions and their advice. It doesn't mean you have to take it. It's just, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to collaborate and hear their perspective. So, and, and that goes a really long way. Mm-hmm, um, so that's, that's the first. And then I think the second, which we've talked a lot about is just being plugged into customers. You know, it's again, surprising to me that most marketing teams aren't budgeting for customer research. They're not talking to customers. They're not um, invited to, by the sales team to attend customer meetings. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the obvious answer is to say, well, let's, uh, I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm just going to ask to attend a customer meeting. But going back to point number one, if you're in a silo and you don't have a relationship with the sales team and yeah. you don't understand the sales process, your salesperson is not going to invite you to that customer meeting. And I watched this happen actually quite a few times. Um, and so it's funny because the salesman say, Oh, my customer's really busy. Yeah. They're booked out for the next <laughs> two or three months. Check back with me. Right. And <laughs> They tend to be protective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there, and you know why? Really, that translates to I don't see the value in having marketing come in front of my customer. You might ruin the deal. No, mm. hard no. So, um, how do you get around that? Is you got to build credibility with the sales team, and the best way to do that is to speak the sales language, and to understand that sales is a process, and understand what theirs is, right? And so. That's why I, I went back to if your if your company has sales process methodology training, then ask mm-hmm. to attend. And that's what I did. I asked to attend, and it was interesting. I've done this a few times now with um, various organizations, and every time the reaction is always the same. The trainer says, "Wait, why is marketing here? I haven't seen a marketer here for years." And the sales team <laughs> all stares at you like, "Why is marketing here?" And I'm like. Hello, we want the same thing. We're both trying to get customers. I'm just thinking longer term and you mm-hmm. guys are thinking short term. So what if we work together <laughs> on that? How and that? it's like a light bulb goes off. Oh yeah, that would be really helpful. And so once, you know, and the, the only, the benefit of the sales methodology training is just so you're speaking the same language, right? Mm-hmm, do they, mm-hmm. how do they call things? Is it the decision-making unit and is it the influencer in the, in the organization or just some of the, the nomenclature and the process they're going through, it just helps boost your credibility as a marketer when you can understand that. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And would you say this applies um, to marketers regardless of their level of um, experience? So when you're a junior starting out, um, of course, you're more you know specialized and you have your tasks. Um, so do you think this is something you need to do from, you know, day one, so to speak, or is it something that, um, 
as you grow and you become you know manager and as you you're being promoted that's something you can do or is it something that all marketers should do regardless of you know their um years of experience right i think that's a really good question and how would i want to answer this i think the answer is it depends so mm -hmm. in one company i worked for they made a mandate and they said okay everybody from the marketing team you need to be spending time with the sales organization so that you can understand sales and that you can add you know add more value the problem is that our marketing team was like 40 people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if you can imagine all 40 people wanting to spend all this time with yeah. the sales team and what i I ended up, when I ended up joining the organization, this was the practice that was put in place and I ended up shutting it down because I was um, now overseeing that, that business unit. And the sales team was complaining because they were like, oh my gosh, marketing is here meeting with us and, you know, are requesting a meeting with us every day of the week because there's so many of you. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what, what I realized is that the sales team does not understand how marketing is organized, nor do they care. And so you had, for example, an event marketer coming to meet with the sales team. Now the event marketer, of course, only cares about events because that's what they're executing. But the salesperson does not understand that they only execute events. So they start sharing feedback about the website and about how confusing this form is, or, you know, a piece of thought leadership mm -hmm. content. And, and can we get a different email? You know, this one isn't working with customers and the event marketers like, sure, I'll take all these notes down and then I'll maybe pass them off to my marketing peer. So it was really a frustrating sort of experience. So I would say it depends sort of on the size of the organization. If you have very specialized roles, then no, you, you don't need every single person on the marketing team going to meet with mm -hmm, the sales team. Mm -hmm. If you were like a very small team, however, I would set up like a team meeting with, with the sales organization, like for everybody, you know, mm -hmm. once a week, or if you're especially like a solo marketer, then yes, it doesn't matter if you're brand new, you know, out of, out of um, school, or if you've been in the role for a while, if you're a, if part of a very small team, then yeah, the expectation is you need to start learning sort of the other side of the business. And that's, that's frankly how you're going to get promoted. It's not by, you know, becoming a specialist and even, you know, taking 16 certifications in, in different platforms. That's not what really ultimately gets you into a leadership position, the, the, the promotion, the path to promotion is how well you understand the business, how well mm -hmm. you work with your peers, how you show up as a leader. What do you know? What do you know and understand about customers and insight? That's really, so I guess the question is, you know, for, for all the marketers is like, well, what path do you want to take? You know, and there's nothing wrong with either path. You want to become a specialist and get really granular and, and you can build an amazing career that way. Or do you want to go the leadership path? And you know, if you want to go the leadership path, then yeah, then these the stakeholder management and the buy-in and the relationship building has to be baked into part of your job. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great way of putting things. Um, I think, Stacy, in closing, what I would be curious to know is if you can share something, let's say, like a success story um, of a marketer or marketed marketing team that um, has managed to up their credibility um, and win that seat of the table and just stop fighting for um, attribution budgets. Um, so yeah. do you have something you can share? 
Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of stories, but I'll, um, you know, one in particular was a, a company that I worked with, um, in the commercial construction space and they, you know, they sell multi-million dollar contracts. So they're, they don't need a bunch of leads necessarily. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They need really meaningful interactions and relationships and, and brand reputation and credibility in their markets. And so, um, at the time though, if like, especially in that industry, marketing is viewed as proposal generators. Mm. Oh, we have a proposal <laughs> coming up marketing, please go build the whole proposal for us. So that was the perception that, that I wanted to help impact and change that marketing is not just a proposal generating business unit, but they can actually help, um, with brand reputation and with client engagement, you know, new business, that kind of thing. So we worked together for about a year and, and re, um, and, and basically kind of made that shift. And so it started the conversation about doing a brand assessment, you know, mm -hmm. identifying and showing them what good looks like here, you know, here's the steps to building a really solid marketing foundation. Here's where you guys have holes. And that was kind of step one. And it was really eye-opening, I think for the, um, for the C-suite, because a lot of, um, a lot of them just don't know. They're never presented with what good looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I kind of came in to do is to say, here's, you know, eight steps and you guys have holes in every single one of them. And then we had a path forward. And so then I started working with the marketing person, um, one-on-one uh, -on -one and, and really kind of coached her to understand how to build a strategy for each one of these things. And then she got to go pr promote it internally and present it for approval. And so it was amazing because she ended up getting promoted and, um, they reached back out and said that her, you know, the credibility of marketing has gone way up since we've started working with you because we used to view it as proposal generators. And now they're invited to participate in, in strategic discussions about, you know, where we're taking the business and how you know, our brand might be impacted and, you know, you know, current clients and how do we stay more engaged and get, and get additional work. So it was, I think that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really amazing story. Um, and I think we should think about this every day going in, like, how do I show up to work and how do I connect all the dots? I'm not here just to complete a task, which I think it's very easy to get, um, I don't know how to say sucked in. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I think it's good to have that intention in mind. And I think this uh, podcast episode is a good reminder and a lot of um, insights from you and put it into the right context. So that's, this has been super, super interesting for me. Do you think there's anything important that I uh, missed asking that you, you'd like to add? Um, no, I was just, I was going to direct everyone to a free um, scorecard that I created called the Confident Marketer Scorecard. Oh, and great. it's really, I created this because I wanted to help marketers see where they had some areas of opportunity. So you go through the scorecard and there's a bunch of resources, you know, and direction kind of at the end that says, okay, here, here are the specific gaps. So it's like a self-assessment mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that you can do alone or with members of your team to figure out, okay, what, what does good look like and where might we want to focus going into the new year um, so that we can start making some um, impact some bigger impact. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Thank you so much. I'll also check the scorecard myself. Um, Stacy, thank you so much. This has been super interesting for me. Lovely having you today. All right. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.